0: Hello swimmers, and welcome to another episode of Torpedo Swim Talk podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Sperling, and each week I talk to a master swimmer from around the world about their swimming journey. I was delighted to be joined by Canadian swimmer Rob Kent for the podcast today. Rob made his mark most recently as the founder of the Global Swim Series and as general manager of the Toronto ISL team. But behind all that, he's a passionate master's open water and pool swimmer. And I was also intrigued to find out what Lost stood for. And no, it wasn't the TV show. Let's find out all about it.
1: There you go, Mark.
0: Hi, Rob. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Where are you coming to us from in Canada today? Uh, just uh i uh, just outside of Toronto in a town called Oakville, right on the shores of Lake Ontario.
0: Oh, it sounds lovely. And obviously you're in the Northern Hemisphere summer. Are you getting a lot of swims outside at the moment?
1: We're just starting to, um, just to laugh. well, you guys will laugh because uh, um, Lake Ontario that we swim in here is a very large lake, one of the largest in the world, and it's very deep and it's very cold and it's the middle of summer right now and it's last weekend it was about 10 degrees celsius and there was about 75 of us out there swimming in it but uh it'll it'll warm up to probably 20 degrees celsius maybe 21 22. um so we're the last few weeks have been like eight degrees and 10 degrees and 11 degrees and but now it'll jump up to the teens and stuff so starting to get into the the sweet spot now
0: Oh, that sounds nice. And you have a quite a big group that swims out there at Lake Ontario.
1: Yeah, um, a group I started, uh, uh, well, 2006, so uh, like 17 or so years ago. Um, and it, 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 you know, you, there's a lot of um, places, I think, there were like this back in the 50s and 60s and 70s and even into the 80s that You know, were polluted, or you know, people didn't feel comfortable swimming in them or anything. And then in the '80s, and then into the '90s and the 2000s, um, you know, a lot of them got cleaned up and were a lot better and everything. But um, Lake Ontario was like that. But when I started swimming there, I I started to uh, well, as well, jump right into it. So I I I started uh, training to swim the English Channel after taking like 17 years off swimming um and uh when I started training there nobody swam in Lake Ontario and it's like the 11th largest lake in the world and I, it seemed odd to me and seemed like a good place and I lived about 100 meters from the shore so I went and swam and it was bloody cold like it still is <laughs> but it was very uh uh very clean and nice and and everything and a uh, perfect uh, training for the English Channel so I started swimming in it and then, um, you know, the next year, uh, a few of my triathlon buddies joined me and a few masters buddies and, you know, then there was like 10 or 12 of us and then there was, you know, 15 or 20 and then uh, on and on it went and uh, well, pre-COVID, we had about, I think we had 255 members, uh, so it uh, really grew. It's a lot, uh, uh, just knowing global swimming around the world, it's a lot like your RLSS or uh, RLSCs that you have there. We don't, it's not very common here in Canada, but it's by far and away the the largest in Canada.
0: Yeah. I mean, do do all those people swim at the same time and how do you keep an eye over them?
1: Well, when we first started, when it was just like me or, and me and a couple of guys in a kayak or me and, you know, a couple of, uh, uh other buddies or whatever, um, we do kind of an out and back along the shore and, um, and that was fine. And then we'd get up to 15 or 20 of us, and you're getting a, a wide variety of speed and ability, and then it starts, you know, getting a little dodgy and stuff. So then when we got up to like, 50 or so swimmers, then we changed it and we'd put out uh, buoys every morning and uh, just in a triangular course. And um, the old joke is (laughs) you come over the hill uh, in the park and you can all of a sudden see, and I'd be down there already have the course set up. And if the course was really tiny, um, it was cold. And if it was a big course, then, uh, then it was nice and warm and people would come over and, Oh, it's cold. And, uh, but that, you know, so th- that way it's a lot safer and everything. And we'd have it right close to the shore and, um, it gets deep right off the, right off the bat. So you can swim very close to shore. And, um, we'd, you know, typically have it set up when it's warm, when it's cold, it's like, a. uh, 75 meter loop <laughs> and when it's warm it's like 500 meters or so so you know you might do uh you know one or two laps or even good swimmers might do 10 or 15 laps or whatever and uh that that's the whole thing about it is it's just meant to be very inclusive and we get you know swimmers that um uh we've got a few olympians we've got a whole bunch of marathon swimmers we've got tons of uh iron men and uh Uh, shorter distance triathletes and we've got uh, you know just floaters that come and just love to swim in the lake and it's a beautiful uh, sunny Saturday thing to do and you know we just it's totally designed that way and to be as all-inclusive as we can we weren't Um, like when I started when it kind of started turning into something um, we developed a culture for it and the culture was just that to be as all-inclusive as we possibly could and not to be a triathlon club or a master's club or a, you know, a marathon swimming club it's just the swimming club.
0: Yeah, I think you you find that a little bit more with the open water community, I think is yeah. um, and I think the fact that you've got the the little course set up makes it more user friendly for people of different swimming levels. So that's that's yeah. Great.
1: Absolutely. And again, we did that's by design. We you know, there's little nuances that you do they can make it more inclusive or less inclusive and and you know they're they're kind of subtle at the time and little things like that like having it uh set up like that um makes it a lot more user friendly and stuff we i think our oldest member is 82 and our youngest member well to do we have um uh an annual race as well just like you guys often do in australia we have uh so the joke is the the team or the group is called the Lake Ontario Swim Team. So the acronym for that is LOST. So it's called <laughs> LOST Swimming. So we, we have the LOST Race and the LOST Mile. And the LOST Race is a, a 3.8K, so Ironman distance, point to point along the shore. And um, then we also do a loop course for the, the LOST Mile. And um, I forget where I was going with that, but um, <laughs> but the idea is okay. there. Oh, for the uh, the oldest is eighty two, and the youngest is I think the the youngest we have we allow insurance wise is for fourteen uh, year olds to do the last mile and sixteen to do the last race.
0: Yes, is is there much marine life or boating life out on um, Lake Ontario? Well, there can be boating life
1: um, where we happen to swim, and see there there's all kinds of issues here that you can kind of get into like i was saying you know there's still a lot of people that look at you like you're crazy because you're swimming on lake ontario and it's just a gorgeous lake like it's just you know this is where niagara falls flows into um beautiful uh lake but of course like any lake or any river or any ocean there's places where you wouldn't want to swim and there's good places to swim and where we, and we've swum, now I've actually swum across it. I set up uh, a route that was exactly a marathon. So it was 42.2 kilometers. Um, and then we've swum everywhere all around it. Just, you know, hey, let's go swimming here on Thursday night or let's go there on Tuesday morning or, you know, and and, um, and then our, our Saturday morning loss swims are always in the same place. But the thing that we've come to realize is where we do swim, is a very good place to swim for a few reasons because um the the good news bad news about the cold water is it's very clean and very fresh and (laughs) fresh literally and figuratively um (laughs) and it uh, uh as long as it circulates well and uh rotates well then it's nice and clean and everything and where you don't want to swim is you know if there's a a drainage outlet right by there or it's in a nice shallow bay that doesn't circulate or you know where there's a lot of geese that poop and stuff and and things like that And uh, you know I, the funny thing is where it's nice and sandy uh, the sand can often hold bacteria and stuff so there's better and worse places and deeper water is good to to swim in but the the funny thing is uh, that you Aussies appreciate too is uh yeah, there's no real marine life. There's some salmon. There's some, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, carp and things like that. But that's about it. I, you know, you're pretty happy when you go out there and you see a fish or something yes. like that. But there's no sharks.
0: <laughs> that that's good to know. <laughs> I really don't like seeing anything in the water when I swim in the open water.
1: <laughs> well, we we travel all over, and uh, you know with uh, all the racing and stuff we do and, and everything. And I always find it fascinating and amazing. And you see a turtle or a this or that, and it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's again, I, I try to, over the last 17 years have tried, you know, uh, doing podcasts like this, or, you know, talking to the media or talking to swimmers or talking to non-swimmers, like guys, this is a great place to swim, like you don't realize what a great place this is. And there's a lot of places where you don't want to swim around the world. Exactly. But um, Exactly. Yeah, sounds great.
0: <laughs> yeah, it sounds beautiful. Well, let's go back to the beginning of your swimming um, career and tell us how you first got involved in swimming because you were a pool swimmer before you transitioned into the open water. So yeah. how did that all come about?
1: Well, it's funny I grew up on a farm in Saskatchewan like which is like the outback of uh, Canada and um, uh, my mom was uh, my swim coach and you know just like typical small town like I lived in a town of like 12,000 people and there was like 30 of us on the swim team and we all sucked (laughs) and and, uh, just when I was finishing grade 12 I started to get pretty good and then I uh, quit, <laughs> and I went to university and the university I went to didn't have a swim team. And then I always had that nagging thing. I wonder if I could have been any good. And in my fourth year, I transferred, I moved from Saskatchewan and the University of uh, Saskatchewan in Saskatoon to um, the University of Toronto. And Toronto is the biggest city in Canada and the biggest you know, university of whatever, 65,000 people and um the best swim team in canada and i walked in there to literally this farm boy and everything and i hadn't swum in three years and i get in there with all these olympians and everything and i got my ass kicked <laughs> um, <laughs> but the good news is by the end of the year i started uh, getting good and made nationals and uh and started uh, doing quite well and um uh, by about the time I graduated, I was, uh, uh, well, I got a silver medal at nationals and, uh, I was a, a sprint breaststroker, um, Run. and swam until the, uh, 88 Olympics. Uh, um, and well in 86, I would have made the team, <laughs> but it doesn't do you a lot of good in 88, but, um, We were talking earlier that it it was kind of cool because it was very much the golden era of uh, swimming in Canada with Victor Davis and Alex Bowman and Mark Tewksbury and um, my wife's sister was on a a couple of uh, those Olympic teams, uh, Donna McGuinness, who uh, we were chatting earlier, uh, Rob Woodhouse, um, another Aussie that uh, he came and actually trained with uh, my wife's sister at the time and still is but uh now is my wife but uh, uh it was it was a pretty cool time to swim and uh we were sad to see uh alex go to australia and <laughs> i i guess he's uh pretty involved there still um yeah but, uh, yeah yeah i knew him reasonably well and uh, victor very well and they're both the world uh record holders and uh, multiple uh olympic medals and and everything so it was kind of a fun time and then I yeah. quit, <laughs> yeah. much like that era, because um, we were yes. doing like ungodly amounts of mileage just for mileage' sake. And now you look back and you go, "Yeah, that was stupid," but <laughs> that's yeah. how it was done. <laughs> that's and how it was
0: done. That's how everyone did it back then. Yeah. yeah.
1: And um, and of course, that was the result with a lot of people. Is when you're done, you're done. I never see a friggin' pool again. And yeah. <laughs> and I never did swim again for seventeen years um but like a lot of us a type personalities you still uh got into something so i got into marathon running and uh ultra running and stuff like that and i forget i've run something like 45 marathons and ultras and stuff uh around the world and and then that dragged me into well it was my wife that dragged me into triathlon um because again back in those days triathlon was for people you know the, the snobby either snobby runner or snobby cyclist or snobby uh swimmer and i fell into the course of the latter um, <laughs> looked down their nose at triathletes because they were people that were not very good at any sport but half-assed at three sports um and then you got into it and you found out oh actually these guys are pretty good <laughs> well and actually in truth at At the time there wasn't much depth so it wasn't a very it was a a very young sport and there was a few guys at the top um that were really good and then it got thin and and now of course it's a fully developed sport and those guys are unbelievable athletes and everything yeah Yeah, my my wife dragged me into it her friend dropped out the night before they were doing their, their first uh sprint triathlon and i said i I'm never going to do a triathlon. Those are stupid. And I, so I took the uh, baby seat off the uh, mountain bike the night before the race and we went out and did it. And I signed up for an Ironman the next day. <laughs> I had so much fun and it was the best thing ever. And I had so much crow to eat. <laughs> it was, uh, it was great. So then uh, that was when I dragged all my running buddies into triathlon and everything. And, uh, I finally found some something where I could beat the running guys. At. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then that very backhandedly got me into swimming again. Even when I was doing that, I wasn't training for the swim because there was no advantage. I sucked so bad on the bike that I it, it was much better value for me to spend my time on the bike. And I was a decent runner at that point. But, uh, you know, you could be a swimmer and haven't swum in years and years and years and still be fine. Um, and there was no no value in in training to get three minutes faster when you could knock an hour off on the bike. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. But uh, but anyway, that's that's what got me finally into uh, swimming again. And then again, being a bit of an A type personality, thought you know what I should find something a goal to set and so i thought well i should do the english channel <laughs> and <laughs> that's one goal <laughs> yes yeah. so then uh uh and of course this was pre-internet or very beginning of the internet and though i didn't know anything i'd never met any marathon swimmer i didn't know anybody that had swum the english channel or anyone that had done any marathon swims and i just kind of got in and swam around in lake ontario and Read a few books and and went over there and had a horrible time. <laughs> and oh, uh we we had really rough conditions. There was uh seven of us that went on this w- one day we went, um uh we waited for two weeks. Actually, um, do you know Penny Palfrey? Uh, uh an no. Aussie marathon swimmer. Um no, anyway, um, she's quite a calm, she hasn't swim for a few years, but uh, I uh, met her over there and um, and uh, um, we got we waited to the last day of our window and went and it was either that or go home without trying. And it was really rough. It was uh, a small craft warning the whole time we were out there. And there was seven of us that went and none of us made it. I made it the furthest uh-huh. within about 4K of France. And they pulled me out to barely conscious and severely hypothermic. And uh, the next day it was flat as glass and 11 people went in. Everybody made it. Oh, no, that's terrible. <laughs> but, such is the nature of open water swimming. But yes. that, the, the cool thing about that is, as disappointed as I was, um, is it got me the bug back and got me back into swimming. And then the, the rest is history from there. Yeah. Did, did you go back and have another go at the English Channel? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I I went uh, and I still, you know, it's one of those ones. Well, my wife might kill me, but, um, it's always in the back of my mind. And I went on and did a whole bunch of other ones. Um, like I was saying, across, uh, 42.2 across Lake Ontario and the Manhattan Island marathon swim. Um, You probably know, um, 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 what's her name? uh that just set the record for the most number of crossings of the english chloe Chloe mccardle oh yeah chloe uh chloe and i um uh raced in uh um the manhattan island marathon swim that's where i first met her and um um and then tampa bay marathon swim which was i forget 39k and around key west which is 20k and across uh, swim across the sound was 25k and a bunch of these ones like that
0: just going back to something you said earlier about the sort of the golden age of canadian swimming and there was a bit of a drop-off but i think you're back in a bit of a golden age now particularly with all the girls like summer McIntosh and kylie and massey i say Ma- Massy, is that correct in pronunciation or is it mass um,
1: it can be massey it can be mass it can be oh, Moss, okay <laughs> and the actual way to say Moss, it is Moss.
0: okay and taylor ruck you've got some Kylie
1: Moss. yeah you've got yes. some great
0: girls yes. coming up um and
1: penny, penny Alexiak, Alexiak and kayla sanchez yes. and so actually so this is another little segue um i was all this time i was an investment banker for like 25 years and everything and then um you're probably familiar with the isl uh, the international swimming league and i was thinking about retiring from uh, all my banking ways and everything and um, the isl uh, approached me um, to run the expansion team here in toronto the toronto titans and so i quit my job and decided to do that and and it was a nice kind of segue out of investment banking and into something that i love and uh, uh kind of dropped in my lap quite nicely and um that's the cool thing. Is then I went out and uh, drafted all these uh, great Canadian swimmers, and including you know Summer and uh, Kylie Moss and Kayla Sanchez and um, all these girls. Um, and and there's a few guys too. Um, Josh Leendo is another one. Yes, he did his, well. Uh, you're gonna see his his name uh, around a lot yes. more. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. So. Um, uh, it, it's neat to get back into it. Um, and it's even better to get back into it right when Canadian swimming <laughs> is uh, is getting back into the Golden yeah. Age again. So I'm pretty lucky to have uh, backed into yeah. that. Will,
0: will ISL run this year or n- not this year?
1: Nope. Um, so <laughs> talking about bad luck, the Constantine uh, Gregorsen, who uh, owns uh, the ISL, of course, COVID happens like right after he starts it and to his credit we were able to put it on in Budapest the first or well the first year was a few races around uh in Europe and uh United States and that was kind of a just the start of it and I think there was only six or seven um uh matches and then the next year was going to be the big year and COVID hit so um and if you remember um Uh, To the beginning of COVID, like, um, uh, well, the NBA, um, basketball and uh, hockey and all that, they did them in a bubble. Um, I think the NBA's was in Tampa, Florida, and I forget where hockey was in Edmonton and Toronto and like, and to the ISL's credit, they were able to pull it off in Budapest. So it was uh, one bubble in Budapest. little segue there. I w- I drafted the whole team, put everything together. And then I got cancer <laughs> and um, wasn't able to go. Um, the good news is <laughs> uh, I had an operation and uh, it went well and uh, recovered fully and just timed it nicely. So I missed everything in Budapest. So <laughs> my uh, uh, the, the kind of cool dad part of this is uh, my son, is also a real swim nerd <laughs> and he swam ncaa in the states well, all three of my kids did and i uh got him to come and help me as uh my assistant gm and promoted him to uh, interim gm when i had to step out and um the the other cool thing is that my coach from back in the 80s at the university of toronto is still the head coach at university of toronto and I asked him to come and be my head coach at uh, the Toronto Titans. So uh, the three of us put together this team and everything. And I just stepped aside. And then soon it was over. Um, I was more or less recovered. So then I was back in the game again. And then um, then next year, COVID was still on, and we were able to put it on for five weeks in uh, Naples, Italy, and then another—I forget. Maybe it was—I forget—five or six weeks in Naples and four or five weeks in eindhoven netherlands um so that was pretty cool and and you know part of it is i'm the boss there and everything the other part of it is you're pretty wowed by being around all these amazing swimmers and there's plenty of aussies there and just everybody from around the world all the best the best of the best the uh it for with the very few exceptions, it's harder to make an ISL team than it is to make an Olympic. Team. Yes. Um, like the, it's incredible how good these teams. are. So um, part of it is you try not to walk around with your jaw on the ground going. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but it was it was pretty amazing. Um, and then part of it, you try to be the boss. Yes, but, of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was really fun. And uh, and then uh, what I was getting at is the, the bad luck. So the bad luck with COVID, we get through that and everything and everything's good. And then um, Konstantin, is, um, he's actually Russian born and then gave up, well, he gave up his Russian citizenship and got, became Ukrainian, Ukrainian citizen. Right. And um, then of course, what happens? There's a war in Ukraine. And like of all the countries and all the billionaires, what a crappy coincidence that was! So it it tied up a lot of his money and and of course a lot of his interest and time and you know um, is pretty serious uh, thing from his point of view. You know it is for everybody from around the world, but um, I'm sure you know friends, family, everything there. Let alone business and everything. Um, so um, and financially it tied uh, tied them up too. Um, so uh, anyway, that's that's what's happening. Uh, so it's it's on the back burner for one year. And uh, knock on wood, uh, we'll be back up and running uh, for next season. Yes,
0: yeah. I mean, it's such a wonderful concept. I hope it does get back up off the ground. And great,
1: it really is. Yeah. Like there, uh, I there's a lot of. Well, there's a lot of people that just love it, yeah. including the swimmers. The vast majority of swimmers just are thrilled to death because it is such a cool event, and it has raised the uh, the game uh, so so much. And the format is so cool. Like just the only thing you can compare it to a little bit is like NCAA swimming when you're swimming for your university, and yeah, but it's little dual meet here and there is not the same as swimming against all the best in the world for you know every weekend like for like five weeks six weeks take three weeks off and then you go compete against the other people that you would only see at the olympics um like and then it's all done razzle dazzle and and really highly produced and everything now having said that there's there was a lot of glitches and a lot of problems and this and that and 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 with that come a lot of the haters and naysayers and everything. And and usually, as is the case, there's a fair point to it and a lot of stuff to work out. And and I can see both sides um, because I'm both in and both out. Um, And but uh, uh, when you add it all together, I think anyway, there's like it's done so much for swimming and swimmers. And extended careers of many swimmers that wouldn't have been, which is only good for the sport. And um the um the one thing too, like we were talking about all the Canadian uh women swimmers that are so good. Yes. Well, part of the problem is um funding in Canada, and they tend to cut the funding off too early uh for the men. And unless you're like Josh is uh well, I forget, what did he get? Uh, bronze at the Olympics, and he's 18. And, yeah, well, that's pretty unusual, especially you look around the world. Most of these guys, the guys now, like, you look at guys, he's got to go against guys like Manadou and Dressel and, and that are men, like huge, big guys yes. that have years of weightlifting and 10 years older than them. Or, or more, you know, Brent Hayden, who is uh, yes. 37. And most guys don't fill out, um, speaking my own book here, uh, skinny guy, uh, you don't fill out until you're well into your twenties, maybe into, even into your thirties. Um, so that's, that's the, I, I would argue that's why the Canadian women's swimming is better than Canadian men's swimming. And you no, know, now maybe that'll start to change and everything. But, um, um, I think a lot of it has to do with funding well that's where you bring in the ISL and effectively you found another fund funding source you know you've got uh, your your country funding you you've got uh, some sponsors you've got some ISL you patch a few things together and um, and you know it extends the career of a lot of uh, swimmers which is great for the sport you know there's a lot of guys that you know maybe quit when they were 24 And at 28, they might've broken a world record or done a PB or whatever, but you'll never know. Yes. But, um, now I think, uh, that, that helps extend it, which is only good for the sport. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And uh, let's focus back on your swimming. I know all the open water things that you've done led you to, um, start the global swim series. So tell us a little bit about that and how that all started.
1: So, uh, Yeah, so I kind of have three areas. Like I have uh, the Lake Ontario swim teams, Lost Swimming, and my involvement with ISL as the GM. And then I also have um, the Global Swim Series. And the Global Swim Series um, is something that kind of grew out of Lost Swimming. We started the Lost Race. And then there was a few other local races around in in the area. Uh, the toronto area and i thought you know it'd be kind of cool if we made a little series out of this so we did and in the first year i uh you know got a few other race directors and stuff and we uh formed uh this group and there was like 12 races which is kind of cool and everything and then the next year i thought you know what i know a lot of swimmers around the world and race directors and and traveled a fair bit and stuff i bet i could get some other races in this too so we rebranded it as the global swim series and long story short after seven well uh it's now seven years but up up until covid was whatever five years um it had grown uh, to over 200 races in over 35 countries with over 100,000 participants uh so it was kind of cool because it kind of just grew out of uh you know trying to grow the sport and and make it uh something kind of neat uh, uh you'd get um points for how many races you did and how you placed in each one and it was based also on participation and inclusivity and um and just kind of grew out of there which is the good news the bad news is like all mass participation sports it got killed during covid yes <laughs> and you know all races virtually all i think there was a couple we had in new zealand that uh, um uh, still ran but there was only you know of these 200 plus races there was a half a dozen kind of yes. that were able to run and then that kind of killed the business model um, um, so then we kind of the good news bad news the bad news was that it killed uh, mass participation which killed the global swim series uh, the good news was it gave us time to kind of reinvent the business model. And what we decided to do was uh, when COVID uh, lifted and everything and all the restrictions lifted, we would um, uh, create and promote and host our own races. And um, we decided to call them uh, Race the Legends. And I brought in Ryan Lochte as a partner in that and now we're doing our very first one on september the 3rd in port lauderdale and it's pretty cool we have uh, some swim camps where you can uh swim or you can actually go to a like a one-week camp and have ryan lochte or cullen jones or who all do we have uh anthony Irvin and um blake peroni and uh cody miller and i've we've got like nine serious um uh legends that are 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 doing the the camps as well as actually doing the races so all these guys are gonna get in there and do the actual race uh like an open water either um one mile or uh 5k uh in port lauderdale and everybody else gets in there with them and you get to literally race the Yeah. so it should be pretty cool and then the idea is um that we then take this uh on the road and we go around the world and and do it and uh hopefully we'll be coming to australia and doing the same thing yeah
0: there. that'd be great i think it'd
1: be really well received yeah we've uh been talking to uh, a few people there and everything without letting the, cat out, of the <laughs> cat out of the bag but um yeah we uh have high hopes for uh doing one there too And then coming back to Europe and doing it there and coming and having a couple more in the States and maybe in Canada and, and all over Brazil and. Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then that, that might be a, a global race, the legend circuit.
1: Exactly. So that's, that's how we kind of pivoted because of COVID and, and, uh, gone from all these kind of associated races to, um, these ones that we'll actually own and, and have more control of and be able to. Bring in all these legends to uh to swim and still with the same goal to try and um promote open water swimming and swimming in general around the world and grow the sport. And ultimately that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, that sounds great.
0: And when when you're training for something like this, what is what is your typical training week look like? Like how often are you in the water and
1: what else do you do? So, so okay. I have four areas of, of swimming that I'm involved with. So, Lost GSS, ISL, and then my uh, my local masters team that I swim with. Yes, and uh, uh, it's a really good club. We uh, we have uh, uh, Luis Escobar, who is uh, swam in the 2008 Olympics in the first 10k. Actually, he uh, he's our coach, and uh, we've got very you know different uh masters teams have different kind of cultures some are highly competitive some are n- not competitive at all some are open water some are what you know whatever um ours is highly competitive <laughs> so okay so i my wife and myself and my son and his wife um we all swim uh with uh, uh Etobicoke masters and uh, we swim about four times a week and i'm still running uh three or four times a week. And as uh, so we were saying before we started this, up. i was trying to stop sweating because I just got back from hot yoga. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, so, yeah, I keep them busy. Keeping busy.
0: And so what does a typical training session in the pool look like? How far would you go? How long are you in there for?
1: We're typically in an hour and a half. And um, like Monday nights was more of a distance night and we do maybe 4.6K and wednesday nights are more of a sprint night and it's more like a 3.7 k so and then friday and sundays are somewhere in between so you know anywhere from about uh 3.8 to 4.8 yeah
0: and obviously you're swimming freestyle in open water do you still do a lot of breaststroke in your training sessions in the pool
1: yeah well that's the crappy thing is is uh (laughs) i'm a good breaststroker and a good freestyler and i suck at fly and i suck at backstroke <laughs> but we have to do everything so <laughs> he keeps us honest and humble <laughs> I, I
0: don't subscribe to that philosophy i don't do i don't do breaststroke <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah well i, I uh, then then we also have the motto that uh what the hell it's master swimming do whatever you want <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so sometimes we cheat. Yes.
0: Yes. I, I understand that. <laughs> I usually do kick when everyone else is doing breaststroke. So uh,
1: yeah, I'm a big proponent of fins and paddles. Oh <laughs> uh, Yes.
0: I also love that as well. <laughs> yeah. So what I like to ask everyone that comes on the podcast is a bit of a snapshot of your weekly swimming, which I call the deep dive five. So I just wanted to ask you five quick questions and just give us the first answer that pops into your mind. Where is, I think you've sort of told us a little bit about it, but where's your favourite um, or the your most favourite open water swimming location?
1: Well, my my favourite one well, is right here. Yes. But the best place I've ever uh, swum open water in the world yes. was in the Red Sea in Egypt. Wow. It was unbelievable. And I've swum on the Great Barrier Reef, and no offence to the Great Barrier Reef, but it puts the Great Barrier Reef to shame and wow. the Caribbean and everything. It was just unbelievable. Um, and the the colour and the fish and the everything was spectacular. So that's the best place, but my favourite place is right here.
0: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great answer. What about your favourite Canadian pool to swim in?
1: We have shitty pools. <laughs> oh, do you? <laughs> we don't. Uh, it's tough. The uh, probably that's the other thing that I'm lucky with where where I swim is it's an older pool so it was built in 1972 and um but it's like the busiest pool in Canada like nice. literally um and it's a nice 50 meter pool and um and not it, you know it's showing its age like a lot of us but um it's uh it's a pretty good pool um there's we're always always everybody in canada all the swimmers are always arguing to try and get more 50 meter pools because of course all of our unlike you guys all of ours have to be indoors um, yes. and we all love swimming outdoors in the summer um because it's gorgeous here in the summer and it's, you know it's anywhere from 25 to 35 degrees celsius so it's gorgeous uh, in the winter it's a little chilly though of course <laughs> yeah. yeah so um uh we're always fighting to try and get uh, decent competitive pools and they usually compromise which means that they're not good for competitive swimming but yes our one in Etobicoke which is the suburb of Toronto where our master's team is uh, is probably our best pool
0: what's your favorite race memory
1: my my favorite pool swimming memory is uh 88 olympic trials in that pool in montreal um my teammate Allison Higson set a world record. We were the two breaststrokers on our team. She was the fastest female and I was the fastest male. And uh she set a world record and I didn't, <laughs> but but I it was pretty cool. They're just the whole event. And I was still, you know, young and uh wide-eyed, and it was pretty cool to to that was kind of the apex of my uh my swimming. And then <laughs> my favorite open water race, I would say, or, or the one that sticks in my mind was uh, the one with uh, Chloe McArdle, uh, the race around uh, Manhattan Island, um, which was whatever, I forget, 30, 38K or something like that. And um, the funny story there is Chloe's a good swimmer. And she literally, I, I met her before and we hit it off and, oh, and very nice and we chatting and everything. And I'm coming into the finish, and there's this yeah. big cliff above, uh, like a seawall above, probably 30 feet above from where I'm swimming. I'm swimming in, I've got like 100 meters left, or 200, 150, and I look up, and Chloe's cheering me on, and she's back and all dressed and everything and cheering me in. Yeah, Thanks. She had, she'd won the race and had time to go get dressed and come back and, and cheer me in. But, uh, that was a pretty spectacular race to neat way to see New York.
0: (laughs) What's your favorite training drill?
1: Uh That's easy. Uh, either fins or paddles (laughs) and preferably, uh, (laughs) and I was a sprint breaststroker and now I'm still like to think I'm a sprint breaststroker, but, um, after all the marathon swimming and stuff, I love to put on the paddles and do you know, whatever last night we did a set of, uh, uh, six, 300s and, and with paddles and I'll take that any day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that, that leads me into the last question, which is what your favorite training set is. Do you have a go-to
1: that you always like to do? You know what? Um, the, that's why I think our coach is very good because, uh, I think for most, people in most coaches and most clubs, you often oh Thursday night, we always do this or Saturdays we do this and I've swum with him now for, I forget, seven years and we've never done the same practice twice. Um, Oh, amazing. And he is so creative. Now, having said that, there are a lot of them that are very derivative of each other and, and everything, but we've literally never done the same practice twice. So, and he sends them out and I'm too lazy to, read them before he sends about an email and my wife always reads them, but I never do. So I get there and it's a surprise every time. So, <laughs> I, you know, as, as much as I'm a, like a lot of swimmers, a, a, a person of routine, I really enjoy the fact that he mixes it up and and well, I say that now there's a lot of ones that I hate, but um, <laughs> that uh, but it's too late by the time you get there. <laughs>
0: So, what was the most recent one that you did that you could remember? In your most recent main set?
1: Um, so, just like last night, um, we had, we always have a warm up set, um, a main set, and a second main set, and then a warm down. And the warm up, you know, on a sprint night is the warm ups huge. And then the sprint, um, second and third set are very short, but really tough. Um, but last night, Mondays are distance night, so we had a a, a decent size warm up set. Uh, you know, maybe 1,500 meters, and then of a variety. You know, maybe a hundred free and fifty kick, and then times four or something, and then a hundred free and uh, rotating through IM or something like that is is a warm up on an easy pace time and and everything and then um the second set i believe last night was um mostly i am which <laughs> i i'm okay on the breast and free and i try to fake my way through the rest um and drop back a couple spots in my lane for uh, the back and fly um and then the final set last night i think we did uh, it was like six three hundreds uh pull and then six three hundreds with fins or like pull with pull uh, with paddles and pull boy and then uh six three hundreds with um uh, fins and both of those i like because i just i'm i love paddles and i'm i'm way disproportionately faster than i should be with paddles which probably tells you how <laughs> bad my stroke is but um and being a runner i have decent uh kick with the uh, fins too so um yes so and those were on pretty tough uh pace times i forget they were, were um like on the 300s i think they were on like the pull were on like 440 and the kick uh, or like the fins were on 420 or something so yeah a little faster oh. than uh, 130s or so uh, which you're still getting decent rest but we and we we're doing them all descendings too. So, um and he always he always makes them complicated enough that you never kind of drift off in any of these. You are always focused, which again is is a good thing. It it keeps you keeps you honest and in the game.
0: I think so too. I love the way that you said that your wife looks at the, the routines and, and you don't. And I think that's, there's two types of swimmers. And 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 you've actually encapsulated that there, because I think I, I certainly like to know what I'm going to do before I get in. And I, I hate it if a coach writes something up on the board and then after you finished it, they write times two.
1: Yeah, that's the worst. Well, the, my, the only thing my worse in. than that is you do the whole thing and you're going, oh. Great, we're on to the next set. And the guy next to you goes, no, that's times three. Oh, <laughs> I thought that was easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's psychologically not good. <laughs> oh, I should have read that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I
0: hate it. <laughs> Well, Rob, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been lovely meeting you and hearing about your swimming journey and um, wishing you every luck with the Race of Legends coming oh, up. And you. hopefully we'll see that in Australia soon.
1: Yes, absolutely. It was my pleasure uh, talking to you. And, uh, yeah, I uh, look forward to, uh, to coming down there and uh, hopefully swimming and meeting with, uh, with you and everyone. So, fingers uh, yeah, sure. crossed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, take care and best wishes. Thank you. Go, Bob. Thanks for listening in to today's podcast with Rob. Watch out for his Racer legend series coming somewhere close to you soon. We will put the details for that swim and for Rob's lost group in the show notes. And if you happen to be in Ontario in the near future or living there now, you've got a group that you can join in with. Check out our website at www.torpedoswimtalk.com. And leave us a review on our podcast page. We love hearing from you. And if you've waited and listened in to the very end of the show, you've got a great thing to look forward to this week because we've got a bonus episode coming out on Friday just as the Commonwealth Games starts with someone that's over there on the ground and gives us a bit of an insight as to what the Australian swimming team and all the other teams over there are facing and looking forward to. Till next time. Happy swimming and bye for now.